hope that old man got that tractor beam out of commissioner. This could be a real short trip. Okay, hit it! Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 275, Sacrifice in Star Wars. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the big Darklighter to my porkins, we have Carl LeClaire. Right with you, Red 3. Or, that's <laughs> an, I butchered that. <laughs> no, I'm all right. Oh, no! Oh, good old Jack. Good old Jack Porkins. Jack Porkins. <laughs> he he deserves a swell. <laughs> he does. He gave himself in sacrifice. For chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> oh, man. Both Biggs and Jack uh, gave themselves in sacrifice. Yes. Um... But yeah, so this episode is is all about um, the the concept and, and reality of, of sacrifice in the Star Wars films, which of course we have lots of. Um, we're going to be just hitting some of the bigger examples in this episode. Um, but with it being Easter just a few days away this, this coming Sunday and all the high holy days for any and all of you who might be, you know, subscribed to the Christian faith, obviously Jason and I both do. So I just thought being that... The the air of the Easter season is in the air, um, and it's a, a season where we recognize, uh, you know, uh, the, the power and beauty of sacrifice. It's like, why not dive into all the power and beauty of sacrifice that is uh, personified in Star Wars? So that's what we're going to be tackling in this episode. Wow. It's like we planned it ahead of time. We did. Like a week ago. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get into too much uh, on the episode, uh, we do want to give a quick shout out to uh, a current, a, a new, not a, well, he is current, and a new Patreon supporter. Um, we've been remiss to, to, to uh, get a, get some of these off as of late, um, but it's been also been a little while since we've gotten a new subscriber. But um, just a shout out to Robert. Uh, we don't we don't know your last name, Robert, but. To us, you will always be Robert. So thank you so much for your support of the show over on our Patreon. Um, Very, very much appreciated. And uh, we hope that you're going to enjoy all the mini episodes you get every week. So, And I finally did my homework, Jason, and got one out last week. So you're up I saw that. I saw that. My turn. My turn now. So... But uh, yeah, so Robert, thanks so much for for supporting the show. We appreciate it. Yes. We shall dub the Robert solo until further notice. Um, (laughs) Um, yeah, just a couple other real quick housekeeping items before we, we dive into this topic. Um, uh, Jason, we wanted to remind people about uh, our iTunes reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a little bit since we've gotten an iTunes review as far as the last time I've checked. Uh, so please, uh, remember to, if you haven't already head on to iTunes or Apple podcasts, whatever it's called nowadays, um, and go ahead and leave us a quick rating and review. Uh, in the iTunes or Apple Podcast store. We'd really appreciate that. It helps really um, 
helps people find us easier in the queue. So, and we want to get everybody involved with the Wampus Lair, if humanly possible. So. Right. Um, and speaking of getting people involved, no better way to get involved in the fun that we're having right now with the show with our Wampus Lair Madness Tournament that's been going on for a little over a week now. Um, again, with uh, StarWars.com dropping the ball the last two years on the This Is Madness Tournament, we decided last year to, to do our own and had a lot of fun, as did it, uh, a lot of the folks that participated. And we're running another one again this year, which is predominantly um, characters that you all submitted that you wanted to see um, in this particular tournament. And uh, we've had our first couple upsets, or what I've considered to be upsets anyway, um, in the tournament. Uh, I was really surprised to see Ahsoka beat out Ray in the first round. That uh, that one didn't surprise me as much. I thought it was definitely possible. Okay. It was something that, you know, because Ahsoka's just been around longer um, than than Ray has, and she's really developed goodwill in the, the Star Wars fan community as a character. Um, and so because of that, and because the people who seek out podcasts and would vote in our matchup, I, I thought that we had a good chance of having a pretty close match up at the very least. Uh, and I thought it might have been a possibility for Ahsoka to win, but I still think it is a, a bit of an upset because, uh, you know, Ray is the protagonist for our our sequel trilogy here, and so to have an animated character beat out Ray, not too shabby on Ahsoka's part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Oh. And, and you know, we've had some people kind of make inquiries about, you know, oh, is this supposed to be like a straight matchup in a fight? Who would win? And, of course, it's not because at the end of the day, um, the dark side bracket would be dominated by Sidious because literally no one would be able to beat him. Um, and the light side bracket would be dominated by, like, Luke and or Obi-Wan. Um, by the way, Yoda did not make an appearance this year. Um, I was yeah. just thinking about that. He, nobody Nobody... Uh, suggested him and we had so many characters we we didn't bother putting them in right and um, vader for the same reason right nobody suggested vader but yep. but we did get someone suggest anakin so it'd be we thought it'd be more fun to, to run with him in the light side category as anakin yes and speaking of anakin he is featured in today's matchup as of the time of this recording he is going up against qui-gon jinn um although if i recall correctly from the last time i checked like 20 minutes ago uh, Qui-Gon was in the lead. So. Yeah, yeah Qui-Gon was up by a little bit. I was surprised by that. Um, the only other one that um, not necessarily surprised because I could I saw this particular matchup going either way, but Luke losing to Obi-Wan in the first round. Yeah. Um, that was going to be a toss-up either yeah. way. That one, it just depended on <laughs> who was a fan of which character and how many of them came and voted. Um, so, but yeah, no, that one, that one went to Obi-Wan um, and is... Uh, it was a close one. I think it was the closest matchup we had. The other really close one was Chirrut and Leia. Yeah. Yeah. Chirrut uh, was up for a while and then Leia inched her way back forward and, and won out. Yeah. So, which I was a little disappointed with. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I voted for Chirrut. So <laughs> I did too. No, no shame on Leia, but I just, I love Chirrut. Right. So, um, well, it is as the force wills it. And apparently the force not will him to win this time. Apparently not. Um, <laughs> um, the dark side has had very, nothing has surprised me on that side. 
Um, I was really sad that Embo got throttled so badly by Maul. Like I knew he'd probably lose. Like Jason, when I was putting together the the bracket, I almost switched out. In the first round, I was going to make Embo go against Captain Kennedy because I was like, all right, he might win against Kennedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that might have been a better, although Kennedy <laughs> better bracket for him. <laughs> although Captain Kennedy gave Hondo a run for his money. So, yeah, I was honestly, I was surprised Kennedy did as well as he did. Um, somebody threw Kennedy in, and because I have a fascination with the character. Carl was like, no, we're keeping him in. We were trying to cut down characters. And I was like, well, we can toss him out. And Carl was like, no, we're going to keep him in. It's like, okay. Um, but yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. We are, we are now into round two. So today was the, uh, as the time yeah. it's recording on Thursday, um, was the first day of round two, our sweet 16 of the, the tournament. So that's pretty Pretty cool. I think we've got Jin and Han going up on Friday, and that'll be up over the weekend. So if you miss uh, voting on Friday, you've got the whole weekend up until um, Carl (laughs) closes it Monday morning when he gets up. Um, That's pretty much how it works. I just close it as soon as I wake up. Some mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern. Sometimes it's 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Depends on the day. Right. And then I forget who's the dark side. Hold on. Give me two seconds. Uh, I believe it's Sidious and no. Well, today's is Dooku and um, Dooku and Cad Bane. Dooku and Cad Bane. And then Friday's. No. Yeah. Friday's is Thrawn and. And Krennic. And Krennic. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, guess Thrawn, but I'm definitely voting for Krennic. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I am. I am shilling for Krennic all the way. Um, so yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love I love Karenic. I do He's too. So good. He's so good. He's so. But are it, we blind? Deploy the garrison. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't um, get the spit going. Um, oh, I love his line of you know we stand here amidst my achievement, not yours. <laughs> right. He's he gets so sanctimonious, whereas Thrawn is just like. You will die because I said <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, which is scary in and of itself. Um, right. But but I'm a bit more of a fan of Krennic than Thrawn. So same here. Although I'm I'm not confident in that. But no one said we couldn't push for who we were voting for. We can't. That's so. right. We literally don't have any control over it. I mean, there's no way we can doctor it. Right. So uh, except for to just lie to you and not do the screenshot. Like I that's why I do the screenshots every morning too, is just to show like I'm not just making it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I so, even have it limited so that you and I can only vote once too. So Exactly. We we only have one account that we can vote. So, you know, that's that's how that works. So um Yeah. But um, yeah, but but we can definitely campaign for Krennic here. On, that's on right. Yeah, that's right. We can can't. And I'm campaigning for Han. I love Jin, but I hope he he beats her. Um, I'm probably going to vote for Jin, though. That's fine. I don't mind. So. I feel like she'll she'll do well, but I I I'm gonna assume Han. I'm went out. pretty sure Han's gonna win. I also did a social experiment with that particular matchup. We'll see if this has any effect. So I purposely put a young Han Solo picture it up for that particular round. So the Alden Ehrenreich version of Han Solo. Um, I saw that. Yeah, I just like, thought it'd be a little bit more fun. So play around with the picture, see, it affect, see if that affects anyone subconsciously. So, right. Um, right. But anyway, I, 
if if you're like kind of new to the show and you're probably and you're and you are still listening even in the midst of all this uh, randomness, um, if you're like, what the hell is the Wampusler Madness? Uh, again, it's just like it's a character uh, bracket tournament that that we do in conjunction with the March Madness, which is obviously coming to an end. Um, so we'll go further, but. Um, just go to our social media, either either our Facebook and, you know, just type in Wampuslayer podcast or, you know, you can get on our Twitter at Wampuslayer and you'll get the links every day for where to vote for yep. uh, these particular character matchups. And again, we really invite you to to, to share this stuff, you know, retweet it, um, share it on your Facebook, whatever you want. Um, you know, even if it's folks that don't listen to the show, like it's just a lot of it's a, it's a lot of fun. If you're a Star Wars fan, this is this is a lot of fun. So yeah. feel free to share I- it. And I know everybody's doing brackets for all sorts of things this year, but this is this is the fun one. So yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, no, uh, definitely share it around. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, like everybody's doing brackets this year. There's like a bunch of Disney ones, and I don't know. I'd like, like I'd like to be let's be let's be let's be clear, Jason. We started all this, right. not the idea we, of brackets, but Star Wars brackets. Come on, we started the turn the the matchup stuff on the show, and then all of a sudden StarWars.com was doing it. It's like, come on, somebody's totally fishing our show, right? I mean, let's not pat ourselves on the back too much, but I'm getting a good stretch right now doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so every day, Monday through Friday, you'll get a new poll, new uh, set of matchups, and the what the Friday one because there's no guarantee we'll be able to get to it over the weekend. We'll remain live over the weekend. So it just depends on whoever gets that weekend spot. It's a little extra time to vote for them. And then we'll probably have the, the final um, matchup at least be a couple days, but we'll give right. you guys more details on that. Yeah. So, um, well, anyway, let's, uh, let's hop into this topic. Um, yes. This, this idea of sacrifice in, Star Wars. Um, and before, you know, we get into the, to the, the nitty and gritty examples of, of these big moments in Star Wars, I just want to give what to me is like a working definition for sacrifice. I mean, I think we, I'm sure you all know what sacrifice means. Uh, uh, so at least in a religious concept, um, the word sacrifice comes from a Latin, two Latin words, sacrifice, which means to make holy or to make whole. Um, so the idea behind sacrifice is about essentially, um, you know, completing somebody about giving something up from yourself for the advancement of another. Um, and a lot of times that'll cost you something, but at the end of the day, a sacrifice is ultimately to make someone whole, to make them more alive. Um, and as we will see in our examples, that's literally what all of these sacrifices are about. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, it, Sacrifice, as you said, costs something. Um, oftentimes, you know, it, in in our own personal lives, it's you know, not generally not as extreme as what we're going to talk about here in our examples in Star Wars, because a lot of people die, <laughs> as you'll find out. Yep. Um, so, but sacrifice doesn't necessarily have to be that dramatic. So, sacrifice is something you know, sacrificing a little bit of you know your reputation to you know go out and help somebody or, you know, sacrificing some of your time to, you know, go volunteer and, you know, Habitat for Humanity or something like that, you know, things like that. So just because what we're going to be talking about here in Star Wars involves a lot of people dying for <laughs> other people doesn't mean sacrifice is that that's what that means that you have to die in order to, you know, 
be sacrificing something. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way, Jason, we sacrifice so much of our time for the Wampusler. Right. To, right. Make, to make it Every whole. Week we, oh, yeah. <laughs> we can record and we research and all this stuff. And it's such... Such a sacrifice. Never mind the fact that I would want to talk to you about Star Wars every week, anyways. But um, <laughs> <laughs> sacrifices don't all, just because they cost something doesn't mean it's not worth the cost. That is true. That is true. This is definitely worth the sacrifice. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, well, at the top of the show, I I played a clip, obviously, from uh, A New Hope, which is really the first big sacrificial moment we get in Star Wars, and it's um, Ben Kenobi's sacrifice, and. It's it's so funny when you look back at like any of the behind the scenes stuff or any of the making stuff behind a new hope, right? It was never originally in the script that Obi Wan dies, um, right? He's supposed to right. kind of survive through the film, and so they can continue to be Luke's mentor. Um, but essentially, what he does is he just kind of chills out on Yavin during the final battle. Like he doesn't really have much of an involvement. And then George, while they're filming, decided, you know what? It just makes more sense to kill him off and you <laughs> right. know, have him come back as this this force ghost, essentially. Um, right? And he, when he first delivered the news to Alec Guinness, Alec Guinness was not pleased in the slightest. No. Um, but uh, George got him to come around and like, kind of explain to him, like, this actually makes your character more powerful, both in the context of the the, the you know, the as a warrior, but also even in a bigger way because he's, you know, he's the sacrificial character and, um, it, you know, it really boosts the, the, um, the strength of the character. Yeah. Not, not just the character within the movie itself by demonstrating the power and his command of the force, but by, but also boosting and, you know, making the character a bigger deal with fans and with the public. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, quite literally, the reason uh, Obi-Wan gives up his life in this moment is literally to just distract Vader and the rest of the stormtroopers from Luke. Um, and, and I love it because when he's, you get that great shot as, you know, Han, Luke, Leia and Chewie and the droids are running out to, to you know, get into the Falcon. It pans back over to Obi-Wan and you see him glance to the side and kind of smile. He sees them escaping. Um, and he's going to lay down this distraction. Um, and to me, like that's, the, that's just the real practical reasons for why he's about to do it. Right. Right. It, it's, it is a practical thing to do in a sense because, you know, he's an old man. His time has passed. He's, he was a Jedi hero during the clone wars. Um, this war, while it could benefit from his experience, doesn't need him. And the new hero is here, and so he's going to sacrifice himself in order for the new hero to escape. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in Obi-Wan's eyes, he's giving up his life to preserve this new hope. And, you know, now thanks in, in, you know, in, thanks in huge part to, you know, Rebels, we learned that Obi-Wan sees Luke as the chosen one. He sees them in a way as the new chosen one. He, that's what he says to Maul, right? When Maul's dying in his arms in that episode of Rebels – you know, and Maul says, is it the chosen one? He is, right? Um, mm-hmm. And right, and that obviously that caused a lot of debate last year when that episode aired. And people were like, wait a minute, Anakin's the chosen one. But again, from the, the, the context of Obi-Wan, Luke is now the chosen one. Um, I think in a way, Obi-Wan sees that prophecy 
in a bigger way. Like, no, it's not specifically Anakin, but maybe, but his, his genes have been passed on. Like it's for all intents and purposes, Obi-Wan does believe that Anakin is the chosen one because he's the one who will bring hope to the galaxy because to him, Anakin's gone, right? Like that's, that's very clear throughout the original trilogy that Obi-Wan has written Anakin off. Like he's nothing more than Darth Vader. Right. So in Obi-Wan's eyes, Luke is this new hope. He is this chosen one and he's willing to lay down his life to preserve that. Yeah. It's, it's a little sad because, you know, obviously the, the idea of, Anakin being the chosen one is still a, a very strong and prevalent uh, position and probably is still the, the most logical overall one. But as everyone says, you'll find many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. And from his point of view, well, Anakin, you are lost. So um, <laughs> he's not happy with Anakin. Uh, so, yeah, no, it, it, and it's also an interesting scenario that he has this sacrificial moment and it's at the hands of his former Padawan mm-hmm. and Vader, you know? So yeah. Adds another layer to all of this. Yeah. And something else I really like about Obi-Wan's sacrifice here is it indicates the amount of growth he's had as a Jedi and as a, as in a person who's com- in communion with the force in all those years of exile, right? Um, it, you get glimpses of that in, you know, the Kenobi novel that we got from, um, oh my gosh, John Jackson Miller. I almost said Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Although he was in, uh, last Jedi. He was, he was indeed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, even in the revenge of the Sith novel, like, when he and when Obi-Wan and Anakin are arguing at the end of the movie while they're fighting um, before they start to fight, actually there's a line in the novel where Anakin says like, and, or, you know, for old time's sake, Obi-Wan, I'll let you get away. You know, I'll let you leave now and flee and you can go and be a hermit. Like I know you want to be right. Um, but Obi-Wan finds in all of this time for contemplation and communion with the force, a really deep trust in the force. And, gives him the confidence to say in the face of death that he will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Um, he sincerely believes that. And that's why I love that this kind of beatific smile comes over Obi- Obi-Wan's face as he raises the blade to to Vader to be struck down. I, I don't think in any way he's afraid. He's just, he's not uh, at no. all. I mean, he he really trusts that the Force will preserve him so that he can continue to do his mission of guiding the new hope. Right. Right. Now it's not, this is, this is destiny. This is what he believes, you know, was supposed to happen all along, you know, that, that this is, this, this does not come as a shock to Obi-Wan that he's having to do this because he's prepared. He's prepared and learned how to transform himself into the force. Um, and he does become more powerful in a sense than you can possibly imagine because he shocks Vader. (laughs) Vader has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, and he's still able to communicate with Luke after death, uh, including immediately after death when he tells Luke to run. So, right. uh, He believes in the force. He believes that this isn't the end and he acts on it. Yeah. And it also helps secure the future. 
Yeah. And real quick, good point that you bring up about Vader. Vader just, he, I mean, we can't see what's behind that mask, but the way he's just kicking around the robes, he's clearly dumbfounded. Oh, yeah. He doesn't understand this. It's something that the, you know, the Sith, the dark side cannot grasp. Um, no, because it's a selfless act and that's not <laughs> something that is involved with the dark side. Right. And real quick, because we will talk about this moment a little bit later, but that I love that you brought that up because that's exactly Kylo Ren's reaction when Luke um, reveals who, that he's not really there. Right. Kylo, Kylo's pissed. <laughs> he doesn't get it at all. And, and I love that. That's, I love that you brought that, that point up because it, in some of these moments, the, the pure selflessness, the pure power of love just totally escapes people totally, you know, enslaved to the dark side. Right. So great point. Thank you. Um, so I, I want to talk about Kanan's sacrifice again really quick. I know we just talked about it a couple episodes ago in light of the, the finale of Rebels, but this is a very powerful moment in Star Wars, um, and yeah. I really think it's worth mentioning, um, worth mentioning again. And I mean, we don't have to go super crazy into it because I know we talked about it quite a bit a couple episodes ago. But um, again, the, the kind of the practical uh, – mechanics behind everything here is Kanan is going to, you know, lay down his life for his family who is in imminent danger, right? Right. And this platform, it's not a platform. They're standing on like a oil tanker or something. What is it they're standing on exactly? I don't know. A it's fuel a cell. fuel tank. Fuel it's tank. A fuel yeah. cell. You know, yeah. it, there's gasoline in there essentially. Right. Um, space gas. <laughs> right. Space gas. <laughs> um, so space yeah. Gas for space whales. that was not planned at all we did not so the fact that we both did that at the same time just means we've been doing this too long together also just means that we have the sense of humor of a seven-year-old and i love it oh man but um Anyway, back to space gas. Um, <laughs> we can when that when that was, that fuel cell is rupturing. Kanan immediately knows what he has to do, right? I mean, he he shoves Hera back into the arms of of Ezra, and he's just you know this is what he needs to do. I'm gonna lay down my life for my family. Yeah. Um, and I, and I and I love that. You know, again, it's a beautiful moment, uh, and. Uh, that episode two, which we talked about a little bit, but Kanan really seems to to believe that his time is coming to an end, right? The way yeah. he acts, the way he's talking with Hera throughout the the escape and stuff, it's very much like he's tying up all his loose ends in a way, right? Even mm-hmm. even at the beginning of the episode when he tells Ezra to plan the mission because he he doesn't you know he doesn't want to know how it's all going to go down. Like he kind of. He really does. He kind of like ties everything up into a neat bow and passes it on. There's just something, I think, in Kanan that lets him know this is kind of him nearing his end. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is. It's true because everything he does during that episode is getting ready for this moment, for this moment of sacrifice. He's uh, He cuts his hair. You know, he takes off the mask, you know, for a while. He he's finds Hera's Calicori. He talks with her about them, their relationship. Um, 
he's putting things to right. He's getting Ezra to the point where Ezra doesn't have to rely on him for the planning, for the missions and everything. Everything is leading him here. Mm-hmm. He seems to know exactly what's going to happen. Not not maybe exactly with the exact circumstances, but that he is not long for this world. And so instead of running and hiding or telling uh, the ghost crew um, so that they can try and save him and p- keep him safe, he puts all his affairs in order and does what he is destined to do, and that is to save his family, yeah. and sacrifice for his family. And it, it seems like he's rewarded for it because he gets he seems to get his sight back at the very end for a brief moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Yeah, it's 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 so good. Um you know, I mean again, as I said at the top of the show, and as if you've been a long time listener, it's not gonna be shocking for me to make a religious reference here, but you know, you, you look at you know, at the end of Jesus' earthly life the dude kind of knew his time was coming to an end. Um, Now I am of the theological opinion and and firm belief that as Jesus was fully human, I don't think he knew exactly what was going to happen to him. I know some people believe he knew everything that was going to happen every second of the day, but I I think that diminishes Jesus' humanity, but that's a theological discussion for another place. Um, (laughs) But be that as it may, I think in the same way that any, you know, controversial figure, think of Martin Luther King, who also had, you know, started having premonitions of his own death. You know, when you're stirring the pot enough that things are going to go really badly for you. And I mean, that's literally what happens when Jesus strolls into Jerusalem for that final Passover. He knows how pissed off the authorities are and he doesn't expect to make it out of this alive. So in a way, that's why he plans all of these specific things he does because he's tying up those loose ends. He's giving those final instructions, getting his friends, his disciples ready. And I think Canaan in some way knows that strolling into this imperial the the imperial controlled capital of Lethal, um they've tested fate one too many times and i think he just doesn't think he's going to walk away from this yeah um, it's either he doesn't walk away from it or nobody walks away from it right is i kind of get the idea that he he's feeling yeah so yeah um but of course in that moment like you said he, he kind of gets his sight back and again I, as i commented a few episodes ago the beautif- the music there is beautiful and to me, it's almost like the, the, the music is a personification of the force, just kind of um, sacramentalizing this moment, you know, making this moment so beautiful. Um, it's recognizing um, all that Canaan is giving up. And like I said before, the best thing about the sacrifice is that it, it literally pays off. Because we learn in the finale that all of the crew of the ghost survives, right, all the way through the Battle of Endor. And yeah. and I love that. So Canaan's sacrifice wasn't just for an immediate need. It didn't just save them in the moment. It has a longstanding impact. Um, and I think for Canaan, what is most sacred to him in his life now is his family. So for him, there is no greater joy. There is no greater purpose than giving up yourself for the love of your family. Yeah. Now that... And we see that from the beginning is that this family is all he feels he really has to hold on to. And so he will hold on to it to the end um, because he was a Jedi. The Jedi was his family, mm-hmm. but they are no more. Right. 
Um, and then when they begin to join the rebels, he balks initially because he doesn't want to fight another war. He wants to keep doing what they're doing because wasn't that enough, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's this family, this crew is ultimately all that's important to Kanan. And so he'll do anything to safeguard it. And that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of a, so like you said, kind of the top of the show, Jason, sacrifice doesn't always literally mean laying down your life. Now, a a lot of what we're looking at will, um, but one I, I was thinking about a lot is the sacrifice that Obi-Wan and Yoda both make at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And it's the sacrifice of going into exile. Um, They choose to go into exile until the living force will bring them the Skywalker children or bring them the the next hope of the galaxy. Um, I think in some ways um, it doesn't have to necessarily be Luke and Leia, but I think they both strongly believe it will be. But right, right, they they choose to bow out of the fight because they recognize that this is now a fight that they can't win. Their way of what they thought was the way of fighting this isn't going to work. So they need to step back, and that's a that's a huge sacrifice. I mean, especially as Jedi, um, you know, they in a way they should even if it's a hopeless battle, they should be out there having that battle. But I think they know that. This isn't the battle for them to directly win. So they make the sacrifice to go into exile. Oh, and it's not even just, you know, the fact that the Jedi, they are prominent Jedi. They are, you know, Yoda is the leader of the Jedi Council. Obi-Wan has risen through the ranks. He is now a member of the Council, and he is a hero of the Republic. You know, a household name, even, in some quarters, probably. You know, they are not just some Jedi who would have this this feeling. They are some of the most prominent Jedi of their age. And so to to step off the galactic stage like that is huge, especially when they feel such a responsibility for the way things turned out. Yeah. But they failed. And so rather than stick around and drag this out, they, uh, they move along and, uh, <laughs> move along, <laughs> move along, move along, um, and wait to train the next generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, there's something in, uh, shocking. I'm going to reference the revenge of the Sith novel again. Um, oh gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> such a good, if you have not read the revenge of the Sith novel, please read it. It's so good. Um, <laughs> But there again, when Obi Wan and um, Yoda are having this conversation at the end of the film, right? Then they're on the Tana Four and they're trying to decide what to do with the children. Um, one of the additional lines that Obi Wan says is, um, "He can think of no greater honor to the memory of Anakin than watching over his child." Um, so for Obi Wan, he's har- obviously he. I mean, and obviously at the end of that movie, Obi Wan believes Anakin's dead. Um, I mean, he, he does not know that he survived on Mustafar there. Um, right. So for Obi-Wan, he still is honoring his friendship to Anakin by watching over to Luke. Um, and I, I really like that. It's it's, just, it's a little line, but it's I think it's very powerful to show that even though Obi-Wan knows what Anakin became, he still wants to honor the memory of who he was. Um, 
So yeah. just, I, I love uh, God, that, that novel's so good. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, so this is an instance of sacrifice that doesn't cost somebody's life. Um, right. in a way, but in a way, Jason, I think it does there. Cause like you it were saying them the lives that they knew exactly right. Their whole lives are defined by being Jedi. And like you said, not just any Jedi. I mean, these are the, the grandmaster of the council and another high member of the Jedi council. That's their whole life. It's their being, their purpose, their destinies. And here they are willing to lay that aside for something new. Um, yeah. Shocking. Not a very, not such a bold new message for Star Wars like we all thought it was in Last Jedi. We saw this <laughs> in Revenge of the Sith. Jedi willing to let go of the past so that something new could rise from its ashes. Shocking. <laughs> um, anyway, what? sorry. Well, what? Scandal. <laughs> what? We actually have a rhyming beat that <laughs> matches something in The Last Jedi? Oh, say it isn't so. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Jason, should we, should we hop into the most sacrificial movie in all of star Wars? Uh, yes. Yes, please. You're right. Ewoks, the battle for Endor. (laughs) 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 Oh, you make me laugh sometimes. Um, (laughs) yum, 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 yum. Oh okay. my goodness. So obviously we're referencing Rogue One here. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> which oh god, I love Rogue One, Jason. It's it's one of my favorites. But this this entire film, specifically right the third act, um it's all about giving up your life for a future you don't see or get to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is one of the greatest sacrifices you can make. I mean, I guess that's true of all sacrifices, specifically ones where you give up your life. You know, whatever you're giving up your life for, you're not going to see the, right. the fruits of that. I mean, just think very specifically of Martin Luther King, right? I mean, this is a man who had a dream, who had a vision of a, a, a more um, united country, you know, impartial of, of, of race and all that. And he never Martin saw that. King Jr., in case any of you were thinking of Yes, Martin sorry. They're from yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the thirty-five thieves. That uh, dude caused division. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, rightfully so. But <laughs> um, yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. Right, he never gets to see the the future that he envisioned. Right. Um, but uh, and and you know that's that's the beauty of this this Rogue One crew is. Um, knowing what is you know knowing what is right and going after it. Even if it's really hard, kind of sounds like a Rose line, you know, well, I guess it's technically Paige. She says to me, Rose, now, you know, a hero is someone who, oh, damn it. I don't know the exact line, but it's like, oh, it, who, I, I forget who, who does I, what's right, even when it's, even when it's hard, <laughs> something like that, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something very easy to remember that I can't remember, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, in Rogue One, there is. As we all know, right, Jin makes this proposal. She's fighting so hard. Let's let's get in there. We've got to get in there. We've got to get these Death Star plans. Um, if we have, you know, if there's any hope of destroying it. She's right. turned down. Yet she her her speech, her passion, and what she's just been through with this the rest of that crew, they know what needs to be done. They're willing to take on the suicide mission because they know in their bones that they have to stop the Death Star. Yeah. Well, they, they've seen firsthand what it can do at a low charge. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they watched Jetta 
die. Mm-hmm. I mean, while the planet is still there, it will not be inhabitable to any degree for decades after that. You know, that it, it has shattered the planet and it will continue to probably break apart over the next, you know, as it continues to revolve around its sun. It, it, is, it is not a good place anymore and it is essentially dead. Right. They wa- and they watched it happen. Yeah. They were there when it happened. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to be fair, like they don't know that it was only at, you know, a small charge. For all right. they know, that was fully charged. But all the same, it's capable of completely obliterating a planet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, and something I like a lot about this particular Rogue One sacrifice is right from the get go it's very clear that the force is on their side that um, yes. And again, to me, it's, it's first evidence with the fact, you know, you've got the great cue of the rogue one theme as they march out and board the shuttle. <laughs> but then as Jen says, may the force be with us. And it's, I think it's the, I mean, I don't, I'd have to do the actual research, but it's right off the top of my head. That's the only time I can recall the force theme being played in that movie. Um, uh, they repeat it right afterwards with um, Bail Organa's mention of Obi-Wan. Right. That's true. Yeah. Because it is technically Ben's, Ben's theme from A New Hope, right? Um, but uh, yeah, those are the only times we get it in the film. But even still, like there, yes, I think it's, like you said, Jason, it is conjunction with talking about Obi-Wan. But also, I think it's because the Force is now having that ripple effect. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I remember saying this <laughs> – years ago now when we were talking about the show a lot more in depth um but that moment for me is so great because with that little theme of the force as they depart and and Jin being very intentional that the force that they want the force to be with them i just to me it's like the force is responding and saying yep i'm going with you um and then more evidence of the fact that that's the truth is you know you get that that you know, really nice little moment of Jin rubbing her kyber crystal as they're waiting for the clearance to to get through the shield gate on Scarif. Um, you know, just this very little devotional act that Jin probably saw her mother do when she was a child. Um, right. It just it as somebody who's grown up in the Catholic world, you know, it just makes me think of like a, my one of my grandparents rubbing their rosary beads or something, you know, or just think of somebody rubbing you know the fat Buddha belly for good luck, um, <laughs> right? Like these, these just these very like simple things, but we. we when we can, when we compel it with our faith, you know, it's often rewarded. Um, and we see that happen with Jin. And to me, the fullness of that is certainly personified when Chirrut walks out to the master switch. Oh, you had to bring up Chirrut. <laughs> you can't not. <laughs> right. Oh, Chirrut is, is so good. I love him so much. And this is simultaneously my favorite and least favorite moment of Rogue One. Because it's such a good scene, but he died. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. but you know, they all do. They all die. And and while while we get such a pure picture of it with Chirrut, because Chirrut is is the the purest of the team. Uh, you know, K two S O is a former Imperial droid, so even he's not quote-unquote, pure in all this. Cassian has done horrible things for the sake of the mission. Jin was a rebel and a a rabble-rouser and got into all kinds of trouble. Uh, Baze has walked away from his faith. 
And then Bodhi is trying to, to find his purpose after being disillusioned with the empire that he thought, you know, he was going to serve, you know, um, but cheered is the, the most pure picture of sacrifice, at least in rogue one, possibly in the greater star Wars. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, that that's, that can be debated, but specifically in rogue one, he's the most pure because he doesn't have anything really to gain except, you know, the success of the mission and the security of his friends. And there's nothing, there's nothing really, you know, character building about that for him because he, like we've said before, he's the most complete character. He's already had his character arc before this movie started. Um, but it is such a, it is such a beautiful moment, the way it's shot, the way it's done. And then you've mentioned it before, the beatific smile that he gives when it is finished. Mm-hmm. You know, that that was his purpose. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. And that is what guides him, pure and simple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, thinking about... Um, the fruits of their sacrifice too is they all find redemption in it too. Um, you know, uh, first off, like uh, I love Scarif. I love the physical look of Scarif. Um, it, to me, still of the of the new Disney era Star Wars films, Rogue One has the best planets. It has the best visual looks. Um, there's still nothing from either Force Awakens or Last Jedi that really powerfully stands out. Crate is really cool, but we're not there long enough to feel a strong attachment, in my opinion. Um, so I love Scarif because it's literally like the um, it's the personification of paradise. But paradise has become infested and corrupted by the Empire. But it's about to be purified by the sacrifice of the Rogue One crew. Them giving their lives will literally rain fire down upon Scarif and kind of burn up this infestation of the Empire so that it can become its own pure paradise once again. Um, I know that's very symbolic stuff, but I, I really believe that that's, that's what happens there on Scarif. So, yeah, I mean, their actions literally physically... Um, cause the recreation of the surface of Scarif and allow it to become <laughs> that kind of personification of, of paradise again. So they literally redeem the planet itself. Um, but uh, to me, like each of these individual characters in a way finds redemption. So with Jin, to me, Jin finds redemption in just the fact that she, she finds a home again. She finds a purpose again. Um, she finds a home among this crew um, with Cassian and Chirrut and Baze and Bodhi and K2. I mean, she's found her home again. That's what she's been, you know, missing since the, you know, prologue of the movie. Um, right. And now Jin finds that redemption. She finds something to call home again. Um, for me with Cassian, Cassian's redeemed because he learns to trust. Um, you know, beyond just himself. I mean, when we first meet Cassian, he's kind of a cold blooded killer. And then the way he interrogates Jin there in, um, you know, the Yavin four base, he's very clearly distrusting of her. And that continues all throughout their mission. Um, initially, Mm -hmm. right. He doesn't trust her. He doesn't trust any, he doesn't trust anybody, but he learns to trust 
here on Scarif. So uh, that to me, that's how Cassian's redeemed. Chira is he finds redemption by converting Baze. Baze finds his faith again through Chirrut. Um and, yeah. then, and then that way they're both kind of redeemed. Um and Bodhi finds a purpose for his life, right? He finds out that he can indeed um be something greater, like Galen told him. Um Right. So you know Galen Galen is kind of the unseen member of this crew. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I just was thinking about that here. We, we we've talked a lot about about this crew, but he's so influential in what Jin does. And of course he's central to the plot, but he's so influential in, in, in Jin's transformation. And he's the whole reason Bodhi's involved in the first place. So he's he's almost like the silent seventh member of this crew. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just obviously thinking about especially with this movie, you right. Uh, when we talk about the idea of sacrifice, there's a lot, oftentimes it's linked to an idea of redemption. Um, and I think that's very powerfully the case here in rogue one. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the, this movie is all about sacrifice Yeah, and the hope that comes from it, because that's, that's something that we, um, we kind of talked around a little bit and haven't actually said outright, but the sacrifice usually um, has a hope attached to it or creates hope. Yeah. Um, because the future is secured, you know, uh, the plans are, are turned over to the rebellion. Uh, the chosen one, so to speak, is being watched over. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it's one of those things where, there's a, a hope that inspires the act and a hope that is uh, given through the act. So, right. yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it, it, so um, moving into uh, a, a, another character who is my favorite character, we have Han's very powerful sacrifice in Force Awakens. Um, and this is huge because for Han, um, you know, through what we learn about Han and his relationship to his son for most of force awakens is that he's, he's really written Kylo off. Um, not like he, you never get the sense that he hates him or anything, but he really doesn't see him as someone who's redeemable. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about this, I think, in our episode last week. But oh no, I talked about this on my mini episode. Sorry, uh, on Patreon. <laughs> um, but Leia, in a way, um, she's the Luke Skywalker of this film, who believes that their son is still redeemable. Right? Han is kind of like old Ben, like you know, he's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. Um, right? Han. Right. Han readily admits there's too much Vader in him. He's gone. You know, forever. Um, but Leia says, no, there's still light in him. We can redeem him. And Han believes her. And Leia sends Han to his death by saying, if you see your son, bring him home. Well, thanks, Leia. You got my favorite character killed. Um, <laughs> just kidding. That's, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit harsh. Um, but no, I mean, she she reminds Han that their son is still in there, right? That Ben is still there, that there's still that light in him. And Han believes it or else he wouldn't do what he, what he does. 
So right. Han's purpose here when he walks out on that plank, right? It's, um, for instance, I'll just say it right now is I'm not going to talk about Qui-Gon Jinn's death and Re- Phantom Menace because to me, that's not a sacrifice. Qui-Gon did not knowingly go to his death. I, no, Qui-Gon he was, not, was not planning on dying there, right? He, no. he, he figured they would best maul and that'd be the end of it. And he would go on to train Anakin. Um, so he is certainly not sacrificing himself and it's not to diminish his death, but it's not a sacrifice. Han right. goes out onto that plank with no other purpose than to bring Ben home. It's not right. It's it's so when people were like, oh, it's just, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi 2.0. No, that's not true at all. Like he goes out there to bring his son home. He's not doing this as a diversion or anything other than to bring his son home. Right. Now, Han is not someone who sees things on a grand scale. Um, he doesn't view things in a galactic sense. Uh, he's much more like Anakin in that regard, and the things are very personal for him. Mm. And so whether or not Han believes he's going to his death here, he is prepared for it. Um, but he's going out there to reach his son, to find Ben buried deep within Kylo Ren, and to let Kylo know that he's not given up on Ben. Um and well that definitely catches Kylo off guard so yeah. um but yeah no han han is he doesn't view things in a galactic sense the way obi-wan would or the way uh the the rogue one crew did because you know they they're safeguarding the the future of the rebellion and therefore the future of the galaxy han is like this is all about me and my boy this is about family it's much more like kanan in that regard um and and I'm still not convinced he believes he's going to his death, but as I said, he's definitely prepared for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you know, um I remember reading a you know, it was months before Force Awakens came out and I, I read a leaked script where Han when when he's leaving um Dakar and saying goodbye to Leia. One of the last things, the last thing he says to her is I'll be home soon before he leaves. Um, and they decided to take that line out. I mean, regardless, right. He was going to die. I mean, even that original script, I think they decided to take that line out it, again. I don't know this for certain. This is me reading into it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they took that out because in a way that created a, a false hope, I think they're just the way they shoot Han holding her and the way he's looking like she says, if you see our son, bring him home. And he, you know, while he's holding her against his chest, you see Han looking past her, right? I mean, he's literally looking past her because he's a lot taller, but he's looking past her. I think he's looking at the idea of that, the prospect of that. And I don't mm-hmm. think he thinks it's possible. Like, I think he's made up his mind that like, if I see him, I'll do what I can. But there's like a look in his eye of like, this is probably me saying goodbye to Leia. Um, right. And you also see that again. I mean, Harrison Ford absolutely kills it as Han in Force Awakens. I think it's his most powerful performance as Han, except for maybe. Uh, yes, it, I, I would agree. Um, and I know it's kind of a different version of Han. I mean, but he, he's so good. And when he steps out there, he yells Ben. And it, it, just go back and watch this moment. Watch the way Harrison plays the facial expression. He is a little bit nervous. Um, like he kind of takes a deep breath. He kind of steadies himself before he starts walking out there. It's almost like he builds himself up into it. 
And yeah. I think in some ways he do- he just really doesn't know what's going to come of this. But he's he's con- like he, like you said he's convinced that this is what he has to do. Like this is my boy. I am going to go tell him the truth. And the truth yeah. is, Snoke's using you. He's a piece of crap. You should come home. And when Kylo says it's too late for me, no, it's not. Right? Han doesn't offer any judgment, any sort of. I mean, Kylo's already done some pretty horrible things, but uh, yeah. um, Han says nothing more than "We miss you." Yeah, Han is someone who, by nature, only only bets on a sure thing. Um, he only he only bets on a sure thing. He doesn't take too many risks unless he's already stacked the deck by nature. Mm-hmm. And so when he when he goes out to do this, he is nervous. He has no idea what's going to happen, but things like this are worth fighting for and worth taking that risk over. And so he goes against his nature and becomes the father that he wishes he could have been. Yeah. To Ben. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a great it's a great scene. Right. And in a way it's a failure, right? Han doesn't convince Ben to come back. He doesn't leave with, you know, his son. He's killed by his son. Um but I I love but, I the th- I, when when there are a couple other little subtleties in that scene that are so great, which is first off when Kylo takes off his lightsaber and offers it to Han. Look at his face. Mm-hmm. He looks a little bit surprised, but also like happy, like a little bit overjoyed, like, yes, hand that over to me. But then you see that face go from like this kind of surprised joy to like, dude, let go, <laughs> let go. Right. Um, and then when he runs him through, all you see is just, yes, shock. It's utter shock. Han did not see that coming. No, he didn't. And you don't necessarily see disappointment. You see sadness. Yes. It's not dis- he's not disappointed. He's not ashamed. He's just sad. Yeah. And the way he just touches his face right before he falls. Yeah. And... You you said it. It's kind of a failure. Yes and no, because this right. is sticking with Kylo. Exactly, yeah. it's sticking with him. And even Luke calls it out in their confrontation on crate. He's like, "If you strike me down, I will." I forget. If you what strike he, me the, down the, in the, anger, I'll be with you. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll be with you, just like your father. Yeah, I'll be with you forever, just like your father. And. I almost said I'll be I'll haunt you forever like your father, but that's not the line. <laughs> Spooky Luke ghost. Um, but but yeah, no, he he sees that in Kylo, and he probably also knows that that would be the case because he knows the kid and he knows uh, what would have happened between the two of them. But um, so Hans. Han's sacrifice. I don't think we. I still don't think we've seen the the extent of what that sacrifice will will meet out yet. Right. I think well, yeah. there's still some some stuff to come because of that. Yeah, 
And to clarify, I think it's, it's, it's a failure at the surface level. Yes. Right? The purpose that he takes out onto the, to the plank there isn't fulfilled. Um, but no, I completely agree that it certainly, I mean, Snoke says it himself, it split him to his core, right? He says when, when he's talking to Kylo at the beginning of last Jedi, you know, the deed split you to your very core or something like that. I don't remember the yeah. exact line, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely ha- has reawakened Ben. Yeah. Um, and, and he's doing everything he can to crush that. Exactly. It's not working, but he's trying. Exactly. Um, so, uh, you can't talk about sacrifice and not talk about Luke Skywalker. Mm. Um, and I kind of want to talk about Luke's two big sacrifices. Um, there's one in return of the Jedi and there's also the one in last Jedi. Um, and they're both, both pretty big, both pretty powerful. Um, his sacrifice in return of the Jedi is, giving himself over to Vader. Um, I mean, he really, um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he puts, he puts his life in Vader's hands. Yes. Thank you. He, he, he's just like, okay, I, this is the biggest step I can take to reach out to the Anakin buried within Vader. Yeah. This is the biggest thing and the most significant thing I can do. To call that out and hope that that will reawaken Anakin and bring him back to the light, bring him back to the good side. Yeah. His life is in Vader's hands. Right. Plain and simple. And while he definitely um, gets to the point where he's standing, uh, you know, very securely in his own footing during the duel, he's besting Vader. Um, and his strength in the force is really, you know, spiking and all that stuff. And, and, and he probably, if he had wanted to, could have destroyed Vader and the emperor there. He would have had to tap into the dark side to do so, but he could have destroyed them all there. He chooses to continue to follow the path of the Jedi and that puts him right smack dab back in Vader's hands. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the sacrifice. He, he sacrifices in in a way the easy victory for the path of redemption. Yeah. Um by putting, like you said, his his hands into Vader's um his life into Vader's hands. Um yeah, he uh he believes that there is Anakin still in there and and it works. And the thing is Luke is prepared to die. Yes. Very Luke, much so. Luke is fairly confident he will die. Um, you know, he's not prepared for his friends to be slaughtered in a trap, uh, which is what unnerves him there during that battle. But he himself, he's made his peace. He's prepared to go. Um, and it's just up to Vader to make his move. Yeah. Well, and... To be fair, and I and I feel like we've talked about this point not too long ago, um, but when Luke surrenders himself to Vader initially, like I, you know, I don't remember where, how we talked about this, but um, right, I think Luke really expected to be able to turn him 
through that conversation they had right on, on the catwalk on yeah. the catwalk and never expected to be turned over to to the emperor i think when he's turned over to the emperor that's when he resigns himself to death yeah before that though i don't think he did think i mean he think i do think he firmly believed i can turn my father yes um, that's why he doesn't like for instance like he doesn't make his peace with han or anything like he doesn't say goodbye to the friends in a way that you would expect him to right um which you know like like kanan did or you know like uh you know some of our other characters have like the rogue one crew kind of did in a way um but luke when he first surrenders himself expects maybe even expects to come back to the ewok village with darth vader <laughs> you know i don't know um right right but um yeah and then, and then han would have had a chance to try his quick draw on vader again yeah um Oh yeah, that she's that would have been how would that have gone over too if he comes back with him? Well, you see, you tortured Han, froze him in carbonite. You tortured Leia, blew, blew up her planet, planet. <laughs> killed her, her entire yeah people, right? Um, but to be fair, I don't think yeah, like Luke when he first hands himself over, he does think he can um turn him. I agree, but I think. Even more powerful than this sacrifice he makes in Return of the Jedi is the one he makes in Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a twofold sacrifice. First off, we have to address the fact that for Luke, he's making a sacrifice by going to Octu in the yes. same way that Obi-Wan and Yoda, you know, sacrifice their way, their way of being to go into exile. Luke sacrifices what he thought was his way of being to go into exile in Octu. There is certainly a difference in their dispositions. Yoda and Obi-Wan both believe that the living force will bring about a new hope. Luke's belief, and again, this is, I still have this as a continued complaint against the way Ryan presented it on screen, is we never get Luke's solution to why he's doing this, right? Like he, we don't get his deeper purpose. His purpose is to let the Jedi die, and that's why he's gone there. We've learned now through interviews with Ryan Johnson, behind the scenes stuff. It's in the novel as well. But again, never on the film. And that's an indictment of the filmmaker, right? In the same way that George didn't put things out there sometimes as clearly as he should have. That's an indictment on the, the film writer. So, um, and, and that's my, still one of my few indictments of Ryan and The Last Jedi is I understand why Luke is on Octu. I understand that he wants the Jedi to end. I shouldn't have to go behind the scenes to find out why or what he expects to come of that. Because in the film, nothing, right? He just came there to die and let the Jedi Order die too. Right. And that's why I think a lot of people were pissed because it's like that's not Luke Skywalker. Luke would have some sense of hope. He would never be that pessimistic. And yes, he's become very disillusioned and kind of cranky and hermity. But we have learned that for Luke, this was a sacrifice because he believes that by cutting himself off from the force, stepping away from the Jedi order as it has always been, he's allowing the force to bring about a new light and it'll rise up in, in light of him. Right. Um, yeah. And we do learn that very, the, the novel has some great stuff in it. Um, and uh, I just finished the novel last week. It's, it's pretty good. It's, it's still it's still no Revenge of the Sith novel. That that novel is just so good. Um, but Last <laughs> Jedi does fill in some of the holes that the film has. And the biggest scene, um, actually, here I'm gonna I'm gonna read this really quick because I remember I took a screenshot of it 
when I was reading the book. Um, but there's something that happens when Luke finally chooses to reconnect with the force. Um, and you know, Leia reaches out to him. I'm, I'm going to read this little part for you. If you don't mind, please, um, please is, do. So this is from the, their last Jedi novel. Luke's body felt like it was on fire. This is right after he touched the stone. He knew it. He knew it wasn't. He accepted the feeling denying its power over him and then let it ebb in its place came a familiar sense of warmth of belonging of finding himself part of an endless lattice of connection that held him and everything else each each fixed in its proper place a force that aspect of the force the jedi called it the living force was ceaseless and ever renewing but the jedi had spoken of another aspect the cosmic force it had an awareness and a purpose and a will, a will that had been silent, dormant after the demise of the Sith, only to wake once again during Luke's exile, a will that Luke finally allowed himself to acknowledge once again. More confident now, Luke stretched out with his feelings, his awareness slipping lightly around the island's tumult of life. He found Ray instantly. She was like a beacon in the force burning brightly like everything around her. So in the novel, this is when Luke reawakens to the force, right? He connects to it again. We learn in the novel that I love that they bring up the cosmic force again, and it has a purpose and a will. Luke has just shut himself off from it. Um, and he does. And, and in the novel, then it goes on to say, so like when we see him in the film running, like yelling for lay, looking, looking for Ray, excuse me. It's because I, I thought I screenshot this part too. I didn't, but he also resolves to the fact that he is going to, he wants to leave with her, go to Leia and join the fight. But then when he walks in on her with Kylo, he's like, shoot. <laughs> and you know, puts the kibosh on it. So anyway, I totally just got myself way off topic in a way, but that first initial sacrifice, Luke does see it as a sacrifice because he's going to step away so that something else can come to light. He's just blind to it. Yeah. Even though Ray's right there banging him over the head. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's Luke's first purpose. Um, Again, if I feel like if Ryan had executed it a little bit more clearly on camera, you, you'd have a lot less people upset about it. Um, You know, I, I, I don't see any issue with what Ryan did with Luke's character. I just think he did a, poor job of following all the way through in the film itself. Um, whenever it was you like, it was like, we're getting along, getting along and just didn't quite make it to the tip. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I, I, I get that. And I think that's true of who Luke is. Um, when Kylo, well, when Ben falls and Kylo rises, Luke probably, I mean, he, he's stricken with grief and he just walks away from it. And he really firmly believes that, him sacrificing himself like that will make the galaxy a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just to clarify something, uh, Ryan Johnson had a lot of input um, on, on these scenes in the novel, correct? He was, he worked with the author to really put some of this stuff, not on screen in the book. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, um, but yeah, he. This is a sacrifice for him because, really, it's all he's known. It, he's always known he's been destined for something bigger. He's always wanted to go on adventures and that sort of thing as a kid. And then when Obi Wan gives him that opportunity, 
everything starts to come into focus for him. Everything starts to click for Luke. And so when he decides the galaxy is better off if I'm no longer influencing it, that is a sacrifice because it's all he's ever worked towards. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily agree with his choice, but it is a sacrifice for him. Right. But then of course there's the more literal sacrifice that, you know, he gives at the end there when he sacrifices himself in order to save Leia, save the resistance and give Ray the hope and the confidence to continue to develop as a Jedi. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and that's the 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 final sacrifice Luke makes. Um is to come back into the story and to give his life mainly more than anything. Yes. I think number one, save Leia, but most importantly is to reignite that spark of hope in the galaxy to, to embrace the legend of Luke Skywalker again by becoming it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's, and that's exactly what he does. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> scoffed at the legend that he was, but then realized even legends have their purpose. Mm -hmm. And the legend of Luke Skywalker will be almost all powerful after something like this. Um, so, and, and Kylo will never be able to escape it mm -hmm. because it happened to him. So, yeah. And we'll, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects him if he continues to, you know, dig in his heels and resist all of this, or if it begins to change him. Um, because Luke couldn't save Kylo. That they, their relationship was over and broken before before all this when he made that mistake at the temple. Right. But I don't think Ray is planning to reach out to Kylo anytime soon. Right. Yeah, I don't so. think so either. Yeah, but Luke, Luke lays his life down there for the new hope of the galaxy. Yes, you know, and much it, the way Obi Wan did for him. Right, and and it is very Obi Wanish, right? In the sense that it it is it's literally a diversion tactic, um, and. Yeah, I mean, I think for Luke too, um, he – and this is something that Mark Hamill has said a lot in press conferences, right? Like back even with Force Awakens, you know, like that he, he was really displeased that he only gets, you know, 10 seconds at the end of the film to just slowly <laughs> turn around. But he said, you know, I also understand that this isn't Luke's story anymore. And he, he continued to say that during, you know, press releases for, for Last Jedi. Like this isn't Luke Skywalker's story anymore. It's Rey's and it's these new characters and it's not about me anymore. Um, and I think that's what Luke in a way learns is that um, when he leaves there, he's like, wow, it's not about me. Like, I'm just a failure. I can't do this. But then he learns the value of his legend, the value of his legacy, and he mm -hmm. recaptures it and gives his life up for it um, so that it can live on. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing. As soon as he opens himself to the force again, he knows what the force is asking of him. Um, granted it does take Yoda to also show up. 
um, and smack him and upside smack the head. Him upside the head. But Luke realizes what he what he's called to do, and it's not to end the Jedi Order, but to reignite it in a new way. Yeah, um, and he does still, that through Ray. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I still love the fact that Force Ghost of Yoda can actually smack Luke in the face physically. Me too. I know. It's Cracks great. me up. I love. I love <laughs> that scene. <laughs> in front of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, no. He he sacrifices his own life to reignite the spark. So we'll see how big that spark has fanned into a flame in a year and a half when we get uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. So, yeah. So, um, but there you go. I mean, we've, <laughs> a lot of heavy talk, um, but a lot of good stuff. Because <laughs> um, yes. again, Star Wars is is full of um, characters who make sacrifice, and this is obviously just picking out some big key stuff. There's so much more. I mean, I was thinking about talking. Um, and we, you could just talk about Leia. Her character is defined by sacrifice. I mean, she's always oh giving gosh. things up for yes. the betterment of the galaxy. Um, but you know, I mean, the, so again, it's not it's not remiss to just these particular characters or instances. But I just we just kind of put together a list with kind of these big moments. Um, and again, all of these all of these sacrifices, in a way, enrich the lives of others. Um, you know, even, even in something like Han's death, you know, which is like we said, kind of a surface level failure, but it enriches Han because he gets to go out as a totally selfless father figure. And again, it breaks through to the, the bend hiding behind Kylo. Um, you know, all of these moments, all of these moments of sacrifice bring a richer and more profound life to the galaxy around them. And that's the pinnacle and the purpose of sacrifice. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm, I'm curious to see if we get something else in episode nine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited to see what we get there. So excited. Who's it going to be? Yeah. But well, anyway, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of heavy talk. So, um, why don't we wrap this one up? Sounds good to me. We'll, we'll wrap it up here uh, by reminding you to be sure you vote in our you know Wampus Lair Madness Tournament. It's our character tournament uh, every Monday through Friday. We got a new set of matchups for you. Our bracket is on our social media. Facebook and Twitter, all that fun stuff. So check it out. And of course, the Friday matchup goes over the weekend, so you have a little bit longer to vote over the weekend. Um, Carl, if they want to weigh in on our discussion here, which was a lengthy and in-depth one, or if they want to, you know, find the Wampas Lair Madness Tournament, where can they do that? Um, well, again, it's at our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Wampas Lair Podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter at Wampasler. Email us at wampaslerpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to unlock some fun little week- weekly mini episode bonus content, head on over to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash wampaslerpodcast, and just pledge a buck, and you'll get fun little mini episodes every week from Jason and I, um, which are a lot of fun. 
So, yes. and again, thank you to Robert for for doing that. We appreciate you, Robert. Just don't sacrifice everything to support us on Patreon. We'd, we'd like you to stick <laughs> around to listen to it. Um, <laughs> All too true. <laughs> all right. Anything else you got, Carl? Uh, I am. I am all set. Excellent. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening and sacrificing a bit of your time to listen to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. Been episode number two hundred and seventy-five. Sacrifice in Star Wars for Carl. I'm Jason. We will see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.